You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, the podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Go to batmanonfilm.com, click on Podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network. That is a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also look to, along with Peter Vera, frolic over other nerdy subjects all the time. Bunch of frolickers there. Peter loves it. Batman Book Club is also on Patreon. If you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show, keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study, just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanbc. Thank you for listening to episode 144. Holy crap. The untold legend of the Batman. Joining me, returning to the show, you heard his voice semi-recently on the show. Uh, he was back here. He was here back in November. He'll probably be on again later this year. Uh, you put his name together, and it sounds really cool. Jay Yaws, everybody. Jay Yaws is in the house. Thank you, Ryan Lauer. Pronounced like power, spelled like lower. <laughs> that doesn't rhyme anymore. That's, <laughs> that's actually that's actually on my birth certificate. So hey, there we go. <laughs> Just like that. Um, thanks for coming back. Yeah, so no, soon. Kind of. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, it's had kind of a long dry spell there for a while. Just, I mean, it's a good problem for you to have because yeah. you just have so many batman fans and so many batman stories to cover so you know i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna it complain is. that other other people are enjoying the batman love that's uh, right but but i i, I always enjoy talking about a, a good batman story so uh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad to be on whenever i can be and you know you've hit some good ones in your appearances on here what is this is this number four five i think five Let's Mud, let's. I Mud should have done a spud back. Strange apparitions. Strange apparitions. The animated uh, Christmas <gasps> special. That's right. There That's we go. That came in clutch, and because uh, you didn't have a Christmas episode. And I'm Christmas. Um, uh, that that one, and then uh, Dark Detective, uh, oh. which was back in uh, back in November, and now we have a. Uh, the untold legend of wow. the Batman. So five, wow, I didn't five, even plan a ceremony and get you your five timers club jacket five timers or anything either. Like, like Tom Hanks and Steve yeah. Martin and Alec Baldwin on Man. SNL. Like you know, this is this is a much more. I was I actually joined the uh, I think I joined the five timers club on Holy Batcast as well, wow. and I felt like that was more prestigious because you know. Steve Martin hasn't been on Holy Badcast, but that's I've hey, been on Holy that's Badcast. That's true. <laughs> I've been on Holy Badcast. Oh my gosh, and you're hearing it here first. Next episode, guest on the Batman Book Club, Steve Martin. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> Not that one. Some guy from Duluth, but you know, oh, okay. it's a Steve Martin. <laughs> I'm gonna have the real Steve Martin. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, well, I am sorry that this that I didn't have a whole celebration, but I mean, I guess. We can celebrate by talking Batman. Does yeah, that, that sounds that sounds great. I was about to say, you know, a, a good <laughs> gift would be to discuss <laughs> the untold legend of the Batman. <laughs> okay, well then let's not waste any time. Let's celebrate. Fantastic. Let's talk the untold legend of the Batman. Now this was released in 1980. 
written by the great Len Wein, with art mostly by Jim Aparo, but some from John Byrne. Uh, it was released physically in three issues. It was a miniseries. Uh, it was collected, or it was re-released in 1989. And this is where it's going to get really fun. There's an audio cassette that was released in 1989. There was a smaller uh, version, reprint, released in 1989 of physical. It was released in 1982. And Jay's going to tell me more about this specifically <laughs> in a little... Uh, like almost like novelization, except it's not a novel. Uh, stand by for some more details on that. <laughs> it's available digitally. It's been collected in Tales of the Batman, Len Wein. It was collected also in Legends of the Dark Knight, Jim Aparo, Volume 3. Um, it's available on DC Universe Infinite. And then, of course, the the Len Wein and Jim Aparo books I just mentioned are both available on my, my favorite app of all time, Hoopla. Uh, Jay, before... I ask you which version that you read for this. Can you elaborate what this little novelization piece is? So I don't know the whole history of it because mm -hmm. I just bought it a couple of years ago. Uh, I happened to find it at a, a half price books that's nearby for of like two or three dollars. And steal. It, it is a steal. Isn't um, that where you got your strange apparitions trade paperback was half price books? Yes. People go to Ollie's and go to half price books. I'm just saying. All right, carry on. Might have to hit a couple of different Ollie's though, because all the ones around me are like a bust. A but bust? I've ah. been to some I've been to some great ones before. So, so right. yes, you gotta yes. earn it. You gotta yes. earn it, I guess. Try try Ollie's at least. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, this little paperback volume. Yeah, I mean, like like Ryan said, it's like a little uh uh paperback novel size that reprints the story in uh in black and white. Um it's it's got that you know wonderful old old school kind of you know pulpy paper so it smells real nice and everything and uh, uh it, it looks like a comic from the time it's just uh instead of having uh the colors which uh let, let me remind myself who actually colored this um it was oh my gosh i'm gonna have to scroll back through here um here it is here it is uh glennis ween okay okay uh was the color so instead of uh, having uh their colors it's just black and white so you get to see uh john byrne and jim aparo's very very nice pencils mm -hmm. um for some reason i want to say that i've heard that this may have been uh independently published and maybe as part of like a serial giveaway kind of thing like mm -hmm. you know send in proofs of purchase with you know your you know, Cocoa Puffs or whatever, and and then we'll give you a sweet Batman comic. I don't know if I'm, you know, thinking of something else or just making up that story or whatever, but um, it's, I mean, it's just a fun little volume. It's, uh, I, I believe it's abridged. It's not the full story, but it's, or it's not every single panel, but it's at least most of the story. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that is a nice collector's item, just very mm -hmm. quirky, uh, a little weird, a little different. Um, I didn't want to have that as my only physical copy of this story. So eventually, yeah. uh, I mean, we'll get into it. I mean, eventually I found like the, um, the actual single issues uh, mm -hmm. for a decent price at, uh, at my local comic shop and got those because some of those volumes that you were mentioning are like insanely ridiculously priced now like the lynn yeah. ween one is like impossible to find anymore less than like two hundred dollars um but uh you know it, it's just a fun thing to have 
and uh, mm-hmm. uh, sits next to uh, several other Batman uh, novels that I have, like a uh, Batman 66 I novel. And a couple of it's books. one of those things of where, like you said, it's a cool like, collector's piece to have. And I, I just looked at I just looked it up online of where to, you know, by used, obviously, because here we are 40 plus years later. But um, I mean, it's very affordable. Like I pulled it up and it's like $6, $4 plus shipping, stuff like that. So if you yeah. want it as a fun collector's item, that's cool. But I can't imagine, you know, like I'm going to read the Untold Legends of the Batman. Let me do a black and white smaller version. But you know, if, <laughs> if I if I was a kid, I, I mean, I was born in the 80s, but I wasn't yeah. like, you know, I mean, I yeah was four at the end of the 80s. Um, so it's not like I was reading and reading Batman. But if I was of the right age at that time, and that's like the Batman comic I had, I sure. could just imagine myself just reading it until the covers fell off. It just, reminds me like just, the just because it's one of those kind of books like that, you know, that that, you know, you just latch on to and it you just wear it out from reading it so much. The, the Batman Forever, like a junior novel version and it you know in the middle was you know like 10 images from the movie yeah, from the movie until i could see the movie i carried that thing around with me all the time i didn't read it i just looked at the pictures <laughs> over and over <laughs> so i yeah. get it i totally get that yeah so so yeah it's just a fun little thing uh and uh yeah if you can find one and want it you know get it because it's a couple, i mean it's not expensive it's cool it's cool not expensive yeah i'll, I'll like- own it for it's, sure. it's, it's you know we we all like to get you know floppies we all like to get you know graphic novels and everything but we don't always think hey you know let's get a, a digest sized version of a story mm-hmm. that you know we probably already had the floppies of you know it's it's a fun collectible and sometimes that's what that that's what adds heart to our collections that's those, right those yeah. little offbeat items mm-hmm so with with all of that, which version did you actually read beginning to end for this? Uh, for the show, I just read it off of DC Universe Infinite. Infinite. Okay. Infinite. Um, <laughs> However we're going to pronounce it. I did a combo. Uh, uh, I have, I'm showing Jay right now, Tales of the Batman, Len Wein, that very expensive book. That's now, actually which, how I originally read it was, was that. But. The, I can't recommend, so these books... I guess you don't know which ones are going to go out right away and which ones are still going to kind of stick around. Cause I think like the Jim Aparo volume two and three are surprisingly still available for a normal price. But then you have like a, you know, the Len Wein one, which I think sold out pretty fast and they never reprinted. And now it's an arm and a leg, the Bray Fogel ones are the same thing. The Kelly Jones ones, you know, stuff like that, that, and I know coming up in, in April, finally, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Mm. uh, can't recommend enough like those kind of books probably that one buy as soon as you can oh, so probably also also related to this he did the covers for that's right for there you series. go it's all connected it's all it connected. is all connected. <laughs> but i did read this but then also i bought the individual issues a few years ago digitally and so while i was uh commuting i also read some of it and looked through so i did a combo read of nice nice this collection and digitally um do you remember when you first read this Yes, actually, uh, like I said, it was the uh, Len Wein, the digital version on Comixology, um, but it was the Len Wein Tales of the Batman uh, collection. I'm pretty sure it was on the way to like my 
second cousin's wedding we were driving to <laughs> arkansas for their wedding and you know that's like a you know seven or eight hour trip from here uh so i read you know the whole len ween um uh, collection and in there mm-hmm. was untold legend of the batman uh i'd heard about it before and wanted to read it but never you know never got around to it but i was like oh okay i'll read this len ween thing and hey it has this story i want to read and i read it and uh greatly enjoyed it and uh so this the len ween collection so that was when i first read it as well and i bought this as soon as it came out which it's marked as it came out in 2014 so you know as long as you know i read it because i'm like i want the len ween collection there's a lot of stuff in here i hadn't read before so by that time you know it was 30 something years old but at least i read it and it was like I sought it out and I read it and absorbed and was it's just fresh. I didn't know the reputation of this book, actually. Like, I didn't really know much about the untold legend of the bat, you know, and I read it. and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. So it was it was probably around then that you then read it, too, for your first time. Yeah, uh, I want to say. Is, yeah, uh, I want to say probably this is probably about 2016, 2017, gotcha. something like that, that I, cool. that I read it then. Excellent. Uh, then lastly. Jay. Yes, right. Why the untold legend of the Batman? Uh, because I was shocked that nobody had picked shocked. it yet and wanted to claim it before somebody else did. There's been surprisingly not much Len Wein or Jim Aparo talk on this show. Which is a- it's a shame. I suppose it's crazy. Knew that. Um, I, which I knew makes it we exciting. Had to that. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Like it's exciting in that part because I do think that everyone knows. Everyone who reads the com- comics knows the brilliance of Jim Aparo. Mm-hmm. I think Len Wein's an unsung hero when it comes to like Batman writers. Um, I think maybe you're like a writer and editor and stuff like that. Like period, but. I mean, just some of the the stories collected in this and everything. And I'm just like, man, this guy, he was just, he was so good. So good. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up editor and it's like, well, this is the guy that edited. I'm pretty sure he edited Killing Joke and he was the editor that uh, I'm pretty sure approved and edited Watchmen. So, you know, those are, those are some oh, pretty heard of them. Some, yeah, the, yeah. 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 By, the, by this uh, bloke named uh, Alan Moore. Uh, you may have heard of these stories and may yes. be familiar with them. Uh, but it's like, okay, when that's, you know, part of, you know, your resume, uh, you know, that that's probably what you're going to put first. Because <laughs> uh, Len Wein's done some really good stuff with Batman. Um, he created Lucius Fox. And um, uh, I think just the problem, not even necessarily the problem, just with mm-hmm. the Len Wein was the time he was writing Batman uh, was just a really, you know, like a really weird period. It was, uh, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, after Denny O'Neill put his stamp on it. Um, I'm pretty sure the last story in the um, uh, the technical Strange Apparitions story arc mm-hmm. was written by him. Um yep. And then, you know, you've got all the this area where, like, um, I want to say creators like Gene Colan and Jerry Conway and, like, all these really big names uh, were writing Batman, but there wasn't a lot of 
super notable Batman stuff in there. I mean, you've got, I mean, I, like I said, he, he introduced Lucius Fox. He created him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Todd wasn't created by Len Wein, but in that same era, he was, he was created, but, you know, leading up to crisis and then, you know, the relaunch um, out of it with uh, year one and then into um you know, the Starlin and um, later on into the Grant and uh, Davis and Bray Fogle and all, all those in like the late, the mid to late eighties uh, that kind of overshadows a lot of the Batman stuff from the, you know, early eighties when Len Wein was uh, uh, writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to understand why it's kind of overlooked, but at the same time, it's a shame because, there's lots of really good stuff there. It's very readable. It's, you know, just very, very fun, entertaining Batman comics. Yeah. And I mean, this, this story itself is kind of the definition of fun, entertaining, all encompassing Batman story right here. Yeah. And like quick note, because you were saying of stuff that he read, he did do uh, a couple of stories with the great Neil Adams, one, including moon of the wolf. And then he also oh, wrote the right. script for the animated series uh, adaptation of that story. Then he also, which I'm showing Jay, he wrote the story that has that amazing cover from Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Oh, yeah. He wrote uh, Batman yeah. number 321. I always forget. It's called like Happy Birthday, Dreadful Joker. Dreadful Birthday, Dear Joker. Dreadful Birthday, Dear Joker. That's I always yes. get it mixed up. But yes, and, uh, like it. I was like, going to say like, colorist on there, as well as who you'd already mentioned, Glennis Ween, which was his wife uh, for a period of time. I think during this period in the story we're going to talk about, because mm-hmm. I looked that up too. I'm like, okay, coincidence, Ween. <laughs> hmm, let's see. And yeah, it was his was his wife at the time. Oh, uh, and uh, before, if uh, like Robert Reinecke starts yelling at us. <laughs> he's already uh, writing he, us an email. <laughs> he, he he also co-created Swamp Thing there with you go. Bernie Wrightson. So yes, yes. Uh, yeah. And Jay, you know that everything's connected. Yes. I'm actually, I'm I'm finally reading, uh, reading that right now. And I'm on the Swamp Thing goes to Gotham issue, oh. which I've read that one. That was one that I read a lot because when I was a kid, I was like, it's Batman. To my to my shame, I mean, this is uh, okay. I've read a lot of the Len. This Wien. is a safe I, space. This is yes, a safe yes. space. Well, it's okay. The um uh, I've read the first volume of that um uh, uh, Len Wein and Bernie Wrights and like the early like uh, Tales of the Swamp Thing or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the House of Suspense or that Mystery was, or what? Yeah, that the, was the, the, fir- the first debut. story where they created him. But uh-huh. then the ones where it actually kind of took place in continuity. I've read the first trade of that. Um, gotcha. I was thinking of the uh, Alan Moore run that I'm meaning to read now that it's yeah. gotten a lot more publicity. I've only read the um, anatomy lesson, which is the I've only that... read the first trade of that run oh, as well. Right. So yeah, good time to, to so, do that. Good talk of a uh, swamp thing, book swamp thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Len Wein, uh, yes. anyways, <laughs> this guy, which, so this story, it's actually interesting because you know, I just sometimes it's great when it's been because it's been a few years since I read this. And then, you know, it'd been a while since I'd read it, then been a while since I read it. So I remember what happens roughly, but also there's little nuggets. And one nugget was the attachment of John Byrne, where yeah. I was like, wait, hold on a second, because I it really ends up like bugging me. Um, I'd been posting cover art recently mm-hmm. or covers. I've, I've noticed and it's and, yes. <laughs> and and uh Sometimes it's like I need a cover 
by so-and-so and you look it up and there's always multiple names. And I'm like, I don't need to post it and say it's by this guy. Then have somebody fire back and be like, well, actually it was not just that person. It was that person and this person, you know? And so I'm like, I'm trying to just what, what's going on? Who did what? So seeing John Byrne and Jim Aparo and I'm like, wait, that's interesting. Why, why so? Well, I did some digging mm-hmm. and I actually found, so Byrne has, so burnrobotics.com. Uh, it looks very outdated. <laughs> but it's very basic um but it's almost like you know like a message board and this was cited in the untold legend of the batman at the very bottom on wikipedia and he kind of explains because somebody asked him um it made me wonder if you have ever mentioned why you only penciled the first issue and i won't read the whole thing but he does give a really good explanation and it's a a good story (laughs) yeah it's a it's a good one and i'll just try and hit some bullet points here but he, he was not under contract to Marvel at the time. He had a three-month window, quote-unquote, upcoming, in which he could fit in a project. And he's always wanted to do Batman. So this was before... Way I mean, before was, yeah, Man of Steel. What yeah. we know of, yeah. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, wait, that's Superman. What? Why am I talking? Okay. But um, let's see. Uh, let's see. The powers that be at DC got in touch with him, saying they'd be thrilled to have him work on the project but wouldn't be able to match his Marvel page rate. And he's no problem because this was Batman. I would just about do it for free. So I agreed to do the series and Terry Austin signed on to ink and he waited for the plot for the first issue and waited, waited so that that gap just got smaller than he finally got stuff for the first issue was able to, um, Let's see. Finally, into the second month, the plot arrived. I was a little disappointed to see it was basically a cut and paste story requiring requiring me to do little beyond redrawing previous scenes. But it was Batman. I really wanted to do Batman. I looked at my schedule and decided I could fit the I don't know why he said the four issues into two months, provided there were no further slips. Got the first one penciled and lettered. Um, and he just kept waiting. And at that point, he didn't get an update and his window just kind of closed. And uh then all of a sudden DC fired back that they could double his Marvel rate, which he was surprised that all of a sudden now they have money. Yeah. Um, and when it was finally announced, DC added insult to injury by reporting to the fan press that I had quit the project unexpectedly, that Jim Aparo was being called in to finish and to ink quote burns very loose pencils on the first issue. Um. Yeah, and he said, and it was a long time after that before I felt like doing anything for DC again. So, um, yeah, it just kind of seemed like for whatever reason, he just didn't get scripts. He had a small time window to open and he could only get the one done. But, you know, whatever, I, I'm i an Aparo fan. I'm a Burn fan. Got a little mix of both. And then Aparo took over. And it looks fantastic. It does. I I mean, no <laughs> knock, no knock two burns pencils because I mean, he, draw, he draws like my ideal like superman mm-hmm. um and i mean his pencils here look great but i won't lie and say that aparo's inks over it make them that much greater yeah. because i mean it, it i mean it does add a kind of a sense of cohesiveness to it because mm-hmm. you can tell that the pencils are slightly you know slightly different i mean they have yeah they've similar but different styles you, you can tell burn you can tell aparo but having aparo's inks over burns pencils makes the transition 
to Aparo's pencils entirely flow that much better, you know, yeah. rather than going totally from agree. one artist to another, you know, having that connective tissue there with uh, Aparo's inks. Because honestly, they're, they're later on when um, uh, Byrne uh, draws some Batman stories, um, mm-hmm. his Batman looks good, but it's not my favorite. Like something I agree. with the way he does the ears, mm-hmm. it just seems a little like just a little too blocky almost. So um, it's not my favorite. So having, having a Paro there to add his kind of expertise with Batman, because he'd been penciling Batman for, you know, a while now, at least on, uh, you know, the brave and the bold. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was happening around this time. Um, so, so having that end, just, you know, it's Jim Aparo. So yeah. any Jim Aparo we can get, we're going to take that Jim Aparo. You can't overdose on uh, Jim Aparo. You cannot. <laughs> it's really, you can't. There, it's impossible. Um, so, well, we already mentioned, but I mean, we'll mention again, three books, three covers, all by Ho- Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, um, which were, which are excellent covers. Yes. I love them. Especially the um, third one. That's the one everyone <clears throat> knows with. Yep. Batman just kind of jumping off the scaffolding in the alley. The cover to the tales of the Batman. Yeah, Len the uh, big, uh, big moon and the the red sky in the background. Just, oh, phenomenal cover. They they do a good job of really selling it because I mean the first one is a big, you know, it's like a big book. I mean it's creative, inventive, in itself of Riddler, Penguin, Joker. They're opening this book and. Joker says, this book will tell us everything we need to know to defeat the Batman. And then it says, first issue, begin a collector's miniseries with extra pages and extraordinary excitement. And then the cover of the second book, it says, as soon as I get there, it's an instant collector's item. The extraordinary (laughs) miniseries continues with the origins of Robin and Alfred and more. Like, I think if something is flat out telling you this is a collector's issue, you better, or this is a collector's item, you better snag it up. It's not a collector's item. And it's, because you can go and spend a reasonable amount to buy these physical issues, I think that tells it's not a collector's. It's lovely. It's, it's a great it, story, but it's an item that should be in your collection. There That's you go. The definition. That's of collector's the item we're going to go with. Fantastic. I like it. Um, yeah. So let's see. I think for for some great context, so it makes total sense that they went to through a uh, reprint extravaganza in 1989 for okay. uh batman summer of 89 if there's anything i'm i'm very happy in the year i was born uh 1986 um there's one thing if i could play with time i would want to be maybe the age i am now i don't care and go to summer of 1989 mm-hmm. because like right now you know it's like i have a i have a career i have money i could buy everything batman whereas if i was a kid it's up to mom and dad but uh I would love to have experienced that summer, but instead, you know, I was two and a half. I don't remember yeah, anything. I've, I've, <laughs> I've always thought if I could go back to like a, like a pop culture milestone, yeah. I'd love to go to 1977. I was just going to say, I bet watch, you'd say Star Wars. Well, I, I'd want to watch <laughs> Star Wars with everybody who had yeah. no idea what they were in for. I would also want to go to 1989 mm-hmm. because of Batmania. The 89 Batman movie isn't my favorite Batman movie it might be the most rewatchable Batman movie though. Yeah. Just because 
and I mean, again, like I was, I'm a year older than you. So it's not like mm-hmm. I was really lucid and into, you know, yeah, shaving a bat symbol into my hair, <laughs> whatever, around mm-hmm. that time either. But just, just this whole, just, just, just what that movie meant to, uh, you know, the pop culture landscape period, yeah. but Batman in particular, um, just all of that is just there with mm-hmm. with the movie itself so watching it it's like i can almost feel like i'm in 1989 watching this I movie wish. and uh like anytime i see it just because it's it's such a movie of its time but it's also a very timeless movie too mm-hmm. um and so yes i mean i would do the, the the exact same thing i would love to go just experience it in a theater i actually you know, a little tangent here. We're all over the place, but whatever. We're Everywhere. Talking, it's all we're connected. Talking, we're talking Batman. We're talking Swamp <laughs> Thing. We're talking yeah. everything. This is it. It's great live radio, everybody. That's um, right. But uh, I mean, this past, you know, this past, uh, uh, this past fall for the, um, um, uh, for Batman Day, you know, they had screenings of Mask of the Phantasm and mm-hmm. Batman and Batman Returns. I'm pretty sure they had Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Those two I'd seen in theaters before. Um, but, uh, I went, uh, uh, I went with my family. We went and saw mask of the phantasm and, uh, Batman 89, like as like, kind of a double bill. We didn't stay for returns. Cause I figured, well, they're going to replay that sometime. I'd never seen anybody screen mask of the phantasm. So it's yeah. like, I need to see that one in the theater and I've never seen 89 in the theater either. So I need to see that one too. So we went and saw it and it, I mean, it was it was amazing. It was like watching it for the first time, even though I was, you know, like quoting the movie along with it yeah. and singing print songs. And, you know, I think they wish- played him. I think it was a Cinemark. And that the closest one to me is uh, two yeah, hours away. And that's what it was. Yeah, it was we the Cinemark. We didn't go. 2019 is when they did the they're about to release them on 4K. So they did the theater screenings of all four. And I did see 89 in theaters in 2019 because that was a. Batman Returns, it's like sometimes in Chicago and stuff like they will do like wintertime showings and stuff. And I'm like, 89's never shown. I've never seen it in theaters. I told Mira, like, we have to go. And we did. And it was it was delightful. So I'm a little bummed with Mask of the Phantasm. I wasn't able to do that last year. But what are you going to do? It's OK. Um, so the reason I bring that up, though, is that it makes total sense to capitalize and whatever you got to do to get people to read more Batman comics. Okay. Um summer of batmania it's like re-releasing this because it's basically because i know people 1989 they didn't have dc universe infinite they didn't have the internet it was if you missed if it's batman 315 good luck trying to find batman 215 like (laughs) sometimes it's just i don't know so this is a great kind of guide to catch you up if you were interested and you were intimidated by the numbering of what batman issues at that point detective and stuff you can grab this three issue miniseries it'll catch you up to speed on the origins while also having basically a mystery as a through line and then flashback to batman's origin (laughs) cut back to the current mystery cut back to robin's origin then present time then alfred then present time and all of that and i think it's a great way to kind of encapsulate that something you know if you and i at our age now if we were our age now then it'd just be fun and something new but it wouldn't necessarily tell us stuff we didn't know but we could introduce this to a bunch of people that have no clue Mm, and it's a great starting point which is i think what it's supposed to do 
so another tangent though, just because I was curious, I looked up I looked up Batman 315 because I was uh-huh. curious. It was published in September of 1979. So shortly oh before gosh. this, written by Len oh. Wein. Oh man. And it features Batman taking on Kite Man. <laughs> so <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> so wow. but no, no, no. I mean uh, that that's part of what is great about this series, like you said, is it's a it's a crash course in yeah. Batman. Mm-hmm. What makes Batman work, at least in 1980, uh, what went into Batman as a character, his history and everything. There are some things uh, in it that are dated, some ideas that have since been jettisoned and never mentioned, probably for the better, just because they're so you know weird and silly. But that is honestly part of what I love about this story is it's just so endearingly, I mean, corny, honestly, but I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great history of Batman. And, you know, you've, you've got Batman, you've got Robin, you've got, you know, the Alfred and Jim Gordon in Batgirl, a bunch of his villains and um, amazing art and everything. So, um, and a mystery it, and, a, and a mystery yes a mystery uh, so it's just i mean it's just a a it, it for what it sets out to do it does it perfectly yeah uh at least for the 1980s and i, I am i am all on board for that yes so i'm gonna start us off so that mystery is and i mean it kicks it right off so i do appreciate how it doesn't waste any time in that there's a package for Batman and inside of it is this old bat suit, not one of his, but one that he sparks the costume worn by the first Batman, my father. Wait, what? So then he even, and he goes over to the glass case that it has been featured in. And there is a, le- uh, a note, a piece of paper taped on there that says, this is only the beginning Batman before I'm done. I will destroy you. So it's a great opener mystery somebody got in the cave somebody stole this things that this thing that's near and dear to him and then we also find out like wait what's the story about his dad uh wore this now i want to wait and talk about chill of the night the brave and the bold episode until the end when we talk okay. about animation okay there's a novel i feel like you've probably read it called wayne of gotham I don't think I've read that one. You haven't read that one. (gasps) Okay. Um, That one definitely talks about this incident and uh, Lewis Moxon. And I feel like there's more, but I am going blank on like reading it in this time. And it is like, I know that I feel like there's another time where like elements of this have popped up somewhere else. So Thomas Wayne dressing up in this costume and Lou Moxon. Um, like, but I, like, I'm, I don't know if any of it's familiar to you, to you other than the brave and the bold episode. Yeah. For some reason, I want to say I've read it in maybe something else that either this is referencing or is referencing this. Okay. Um, but that's also like I was hinting at, those are also some elements that have kind of been pushed to the wayside, you know, retconned Mm -hmm. out, uh, since then. So there the 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 thomas wayne being the first batman and even lou moxon being this guy that 
indirectly caused the death of the Waynes and then was also um, the uh, the guy that uh, played such a big part in Bruce becoming Batman. Um, I really, I really can't place my finger on anything definitively okay. that I've read it in. Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean the the Brave and the Bold episode. There's there's that aspect of it, but again, we'll we'll get to that. But. Oh yeah, we'll definitely get to that one. So, um, so I mean, I I guess. We have to go. There's just a couple of beats. There's a couple origins. Um, I want to let's just come out swinging with the first biggie in the Thomas Wayne in that bat costume. Uh, I do. I, I like it. Doesn't bother me. Um, the the look of that and everything I think is cool and fun. I think. I'm never one that is extremely. Unless it's just a, a massive failure. I can accept different uh, attempts at the murder of the Waynes. I like the fact that it is random mugger named Joe chill. So with this, I'm not saying that like, this doesn't work. Like, no, this doesn't work for me. It's just like, I just prefer that Joe chill is kind of a nobody that was desperate. And I think that that just comes full circle with Batman and his origin story and everything is somebody that he's trying like all that works as opposed to it's a connection to he was hired by somebody who's done wrong by his dad you know that yeah. just feels a little too like well eh, yeah I like I, I get how it works I don't hate it but I mean like you I prefer it when it's just a random crime yep. and I don't mind joe chill but i'm also completely on board with bruce never even unnamed yeah because because bruce's war is on crime not on a specific criminal Mm -hmm. so i i mean and i think that that really helps um just contextualize his whole you know his vow and uh his his desire to prevent the tragedy that fell him uh from befalling anybody else is if you have a name on it you could draw too clear of a line to revenge and vengeance and bruce is doing this as an obsession to get back at one man if it's just literally random mugging a random crime that even goes unsolved um then that, that person's always out there he's always he's, chasing them. bruce yes exactly but he's not cha- chasing him for revenge he's tra- chasing him because he wants to stop crime itself yeah not one man himself mm-hmm. so i mean it, it it makes it a little bit it, it might even seem a little bit backwards to say that he's all, always chasing this guy if he doesn't know who it is but i mean that that gives it that more obscure kind of kind of vague big C crime rather than Joe chill is the impetus of this. And, you know, I can put it into a face because, you know, they say, you know, you know, you know, names having, you know, power and meaning and everything. So giving him a name again, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with what they do here, especially in the time and places that this was written. Um, I'm, I'm fine with it, but it's one of those aspects that um, even though it's like, okay, it's not going to make or break the story. I like other versions of the story better. Yeah. It doesn't take a dump on 
the Batman mythos or history right. or anything like that. So it's it's not even like a complaint for me. It's just an acknowledgement of like, okay, so here's something that's like a a little bit of a we're not completely off the beaten path, but we do we do kind of veer just a little bit to change some things, but then we we're still right there going parallel with the main highway. Of, yeah, and, you know, so and, and I mean to your point about Thomas Wayne in that original bat suit i, I kind of like that too I yeah mean, uh bruce taking inspiration from uh you know like zorro and other like pulp heroes that he saw you know in movies and took inspiration from them um is great and i like that but it's also it's a little convenient a little cute yeah. and nicely packaged but uh being able to say you know my father inspired me for this look even in a roundabout way uh you know i kind of like that i mean I, I it's one of those things that i can take or leave but you know that's it's at least somewhat clever and mm-hmm. not as egregiously cute as another thing that i'm sure we'll get to in just a few minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> little cute uh so the let's go into now as that's presented to us uh the mystery to solve and then we're seeing that we're getting our origins here and i think this is the this is the biggest deviation in origins is with batman um not because of who he is and how he came to be per se because hey his parents were murdered uh he was in his study he saw a bat and said i shall become a bat okay bullet points that's kind of that's batman but there's some other nuggets in between that i think goes um kind of far out there one being the fact that he's he ends up in the care of let's see here mrs chilton who is the mother of joe chill yes huh okay uh and uncle philip uncle philip i know has at least some precedent before this okay i'm pretty pretty sure it was fuzzy to me um Um, in but the 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 mrs chilton that i'm not sure about that might have been created for the i mean i'm not gonna lie this this era you know i was talking about you know is Mm -hmm. a little fuzzy i've read a lot of it but I haven't read even more. So I don't know if this was being referenced a lot in that time. Um, I knew Uncle Philip before this, just because I'd kind of heard of him, but mm-hmm. this whole very convenient and, you know, very how did Bruce miss this? That he was raised by the mother of the man who killed yeah. his parents. Yeah, that, that's one of those things that's like, again, I mean, this, huh. is, a, this is a very dated story. In yeah. a lot of aspects, this is one of the day. It's almost like they went out of their way to say, okay, let's make this the one Batman story you would ever need to read. Mm-hmm. So they tried to retrofit a bunch of things into it. Be like, hey, did we ever talk about this before? No, that's never been brought up. How about how about we add this little detail here? It's like they they um overstuffed the sausage, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> uh I do like, I mean, it's only one panel and one quick mention of Leslie Tompkins. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always fitting. That always works that, yeah, she was there to comfort him as, as a kid. Uh, but yeah, the other two's being in the care, you know, his guardian being uncle Philip and then his housekeeper, Mrs. Chilton, I was like, huh. And I mean, I don't remember if they're even mentioned again in the story. 
I don't think so. And so it's like, okay, so maybe they just didn't, they just didn't stick. And that's fine with me. Cause I don't really, I don't really care. I almost feel like a, maybe a missed opportunity here for the, the sleuth himself. Harvey Harris should have been slam Bradley. <laughs> yes. That would like, have been great. I don't know. Just for DC continuity's sake. And if, this is my way to say right now that if you're not reading Slam Bradley and Gotham City Year One written by Tom King, you're totally missing out. Go find it and read it. It's fantastic. It is a hard read, but it's a very good read. So good. Um, but yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Of course, because if he's driven, and I mean, you're impressionable when you're a child, right? And he just mm-hmm. has this major loss. So he's looking for, you know, like a... a heroic figure someone and he's got a detective that totally tracks you know that feels like oh my gosh this makes so much sense of it being like this guy so i really do like that but it's just like this harvey harris no recollection of that ever being mentioned in batman lore please somebody point it out to me if i've robert reinecke (laughs) (laughs) if if i've missed it somewhere in batman lore please let me know please (laughs) yes uh it's like i i don't know harvey harris i don't know that name so huh okay it's fine it's another thing like yeah like you and i have already kind of said of didn't do anything to you know anything controversial this is not controversial it's just like oh okay the strange thing to me is that he dresses up as robin first yes that's the ultra super cute way to twee and convenient and contrived thing i love i love robin yeah. Robin to me is as essential to Batman's mythos as Commissioner Gordon, Alfred, Batman himself. Nobody can see I, it right now. Jay's dressed as Robin as we're talking yeah, right now. I know. Just I mean, <laughs> just like him. <laughs> I was waiting for you to bring that up. Man. I know. So sorry. It uh, took us a while. But no, I mean, and I mean, I love Robin. I love everything Robin's done. I've, and this might be a controversial statement. I don't care. But I really think that without, introducing robin like i know yes he was introduced more to appeal to kids lighten the character and everything sell comics to children i really don't think that we would still have batman if we didn't have robin i think he would have gone the way of the other pulp heroes maybe eventually become part of the public domain and you know people would be writing you know you know batman meets you know doc samson uh team ups for like dynamite now but we would i don't think we would have batman if we never had a robin so robin is very important if you if you don't like the character of robin that's one thing but i mean you know diminishing you know robin's importance you know i think is almost a misreading of you know the character entirely um and saying that this i mean i still love this and it's still fun and it doesn't ruin the story for me but this is my biggest eye roll just because it's like okay yeah you guys are getting way too cute now (laughs) trying to be and i wonder if Vern took note of this because in later years and i'm just now uh making my way through it they did the superman batman generations omnibus that john Byrne did and um i've read the one and two i'm getting ready to start three but it tells in that story, Byrne has Bruce dress up as Robin when he was younger. Mm-hmm. 
Bruce Wayne's in Metropolis. Oh, look at this. This Robin's here too, but nobody suspected a thing. But, you know, it's like, a, oh, okay. So the connective tissue here is burn. Maybe he's inspired by that. Yeah. Me, I'm, it's not, again, it's not a harsher term. It's not a bastardization of no. the Batman character or anything. It's just like, nah. Nah, you're trying, good. I, I just feel like you're bit that is like you're just trying to be too clever. Yeah, it's cute, it's fun. I see what you're doing. It doesn't work. Yeah, let's let's just you know move on. I mean, it it's a great looking sequel. Two two pages, a, a a fun page that basically is your this is your montage, your movie montage, you know, of taking Bruce dressed up as that character. And then that's it. So it's also like, yeah, it's quick. So it can be a really quick. Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there's a reference to it later as well when mm-hmm. Dick actually uh, comes in the fold and everything. But yes, I mean, it's not a huge part of the story necessarily. Yeah. It's just, it's just you know, like, come on, guys. <laughs> you, you didn't need to do, go that far. Yeah. And then, I mean, I really do. I like the, the line because I think this is a driving force for the creation of Batman of Bruce at college and his law class. And, you know, the whole lesson there and how Bruce answers a question and he gets it wrong. And Bruce says, but is that justice professor Rexford? And he says, no, Mr. Wayne, that's the law. So he's, it it really burns him of there's a difference between justice and the law. And he's all for justice. Yes, that that's one of my favorite like sequences of the entire story. Yeah, like as you know, silly and fun as some of the rest of it, you know, gets just with its kind of, you know, late seventies, early early eighties bombast, and you mm-hmm. know, still trying to be kind of like a silver age book in you know more of the bronze age. Yeah, um, that is a genuinely great sequence that mm-hmm. you should still be able to point to. And say, you know, this isn't every, every, like the, this isn't everything about what Batman does, but it is a big part of why he does what he does. Yeah. And it's great because it's one page in a big, boring college lecture hall with Bruce Wayne. Like, it's not like it's something that's massive and flashy, kind of like you were just saying of something, you know, big, big action sequence, but yet it's like, it kind of cuts to like the drive of Bruce Wayne. Like this is the step that really turns him toward creation of Batman is like this. So you you start putting the pieces together here of, and it all adds up. And so yes, him as Robin is kind of like, okay, but what do I take out of that? He was really inspired by this detective and got training from this detective. That's a big part of him becoming Batman. So I'll take that out of that part. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. And I mean, that's, a great way for you know you know bruce is realizing that just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right yeah so you know the law exists i mean yeah the law exists on paper and yes you know need to abide by it but i mean there are aspects of okay you know this is illegal to do by definition of the law but it's still the right thing to do Mm -hmm. and vice versa you know, just the law says that this is how, you know, this example of a guy who, 
you know, two carjackers and one of them chickens out and wants to leave. But before they can stop the car, they hit someone and kill them. And by the law, the guy who didn't want to be part of this anymore would still be liable for manslaughter. Bruce argues with that because he says it's not right. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. want to be a part of this. The professor says, well, the law says he would be. So he's still guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great way for Bruce to figure out, not, not even figure out, but, you know, realize uh, that he needs to, and he even says as much on the, the next page when he tells his parents, it's like, you know, I can't be a police officer because they're too, uh, their hands are too tied by what is, what is the law. So I need to do something else so I can do what, you know, what is right for, uh, for the city, which mm-hmm. leads to him becoming Batman. He shall become a bat. We see the next, the next pages. He's in a study and he sees the bat. Oh my gosh. I shall become a bat. <laughs> so the, the image at the bottom of that page, I know it's been done by a, like probably a ton of people, but it really, I was trying to track down which one it is. So it slightly reminded me Let's see, it's Batman, a special all villains issue, and it's a cover done by uh, Aparo. So, I mean, that all kind of makes sense. Um, anyways, that's a fun note, and it's great for radio when I'm talking about yeah. something to see. But, anyways, so there's that's the biggest deviation. And then, of course, like the next page is a great Batman and all the villains. Um, let me ask you. Most of whom I can name. If that's where you were going. Yep. So the only questions I have, and this would make uh, Peter, Garrett, and Justin really happy. At the bottom of the page, is that Magog? No. Okay, he, Magog. That's Magog a, was a, created for Kingdom Come. So okay, that that's that was ta da. There you go. So who's that? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, right side. Of the skull. Uh, okay. Oh, like who is that? Yeah. Do you know who that is? Uh, I want to say, not putting you on the spot. I'm admitting first that I don't know. No, I mean, I want to say it might be Doctor Phosphorus, but it, he looks a little like Doctor Phosphorus doesn't really have not... flaming skull head. So mm-hmm. it's not Ghost Rider because that's you know Marvel. And I'm ashamed because <laughs> I just. We just like talked about this, Pete and I did, but underneath him, uh, I think that's oh, uh, Zodiac. I think that's his name. Well, he looks like you know, look, I mean, the coloring's different, but almost looks like it's the suit of what the in the current world's finest, yeah. Um, um the... which uh, we spotted was a throwback to like world's finest one. I don't remember the issue. I th- I mean, I think it's a different character. Let, let me, it's a different um, character. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, and then below that, I think that might be like Fu Manchu, who was like a, <clears throat> or, or maybe that's Sensei. Like uh, I thought Sensei. Okay. But, okay. That hey. that makes that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Uh, um, but then uh, other costumes, other characters, all that stuff. I mean, it's great. Um, it's a great. Uh, page. Oh wait, no, no, no. That's Signal <gasps> Man. Sorry. The the guy that i said was zodiac was signal yeah. man signal man okay i know i was wrong when i said zodiac but mm-hmm. i i also kind of wanted to say calendar man because he had like a weird costume like that at one point but 
I don't. Oh, know. really? Like that? I never not, saw him. Not exactly like yeah. that, but I mean, it was it was a different costume than you'd think. So oh, there you go. Thought how did was you, maybe him? How but, did you find that this was Signal Man? I typed in Batman Signal Man, and Google brought up a picture of Signal Man. You just have Signal Man sitting there on standby in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. You've got an action figure of Signal Man? How'd I miss that? I wish. <laughs> uh okay. Well, I mean as it and I mean as the story develops, we do I mean he tracks down uh Lou Moxon. Or no, Joe Chill. There we go. I'm trying to think like what's the, the order here first. It's who gets shot on the train? Why am I losing out? I thought I had notes. Does no, that was continues? that was Lou Moxon because Gordon says the new oh. owner of the trucking company is a man there named Joe Chill. Okay. Um. Yeah. So before he could get answers from Moxon, Moxon's dead. Just shot. But then it, it leads to <laughs> yeah, it, it leads to Joe Chill. In which Batman recognizes the face. This is the face of the man who killed my parents. And then there's a confrontation there where he just, Bruce, you know, removes the cowl. And he's, I am Bruce Wayne. In which Chill runs off to these other goons and tells them, years ago I knocked off a guy and now his son is after me. And this guy's son, he's the Batman. And then those guys are like, you killed Batman's father? You're kidding. You know, they're like, you created Batman. So then they just shoot him. Which is... (laughs) Oh, hysterical. Yeah. And especially it's even funnier because right after that, they're like, hey, wait, maybe we should have asked him who Batman was before we killed him. I mean, I do genuinely kind of love that, that, um, uh, you know, him say, you know, I created Batman. I, I you know, I, I know who he is. Be, he revealed a, his secret identity to me and um you know i i killed his parents and you know thinking that that was going to get them on his side but instead they're like i spent time up river because of batman and so you're telling me that because you killed this guy's parents he became uh-huh. batman and put me away and then they just kill him that's that's amazing so so i'm trying to think here shot well and remind me here jay because it wasn't moxon that was shot because the moxon is the one who batman confronts later on so who oh that's right that's right. i don't know why i'm confusing myself right now Oh no, that was just like a trigger man before. Sorry, I got confused too. Because Chill is the the guy who, you know, gets shot on the next next page, but I think that was the guy that they were going to shake down to find out where they could find There we go. Okay. Moxon and Chill. Okay, yeah. Now we're good. Okay, now we're caught up because it's not like I read this a week ago or anything. I know. <laughs> I, I, that's the stuff like we were talking before. And like, that's why I always need the book in my hands as we're talking, because I could have just read this hours ago. And, and I'd I mean, be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I mean, th- this is 
from that era where i mean they were you know very readable comics but they were very mm-hmm. dense i mean you got your money's worth out of each issue yeah, with so much story, story they packed in <laughs> we're we're not even through the first issue yet and we've mm-hmm. already talked about so much stuff yeah well and well basically and then the cool moment comes of where you know moxing he's they're, they're retelling all this and moxing got charged with the murders of uh murder of dr thomas wayne and moxon's willing to take a lie detector to prove that he didn't you know never heard of dr wayne and he passed but it's because he got in an accident like right after he put the hit on thomas wayne so he really has no recollection of it so that's why bruce wears thomas wayne's batman costume to kind of shock him into remembering Shock him into remembering, which yes. works too well because Moxon then runs out and gets hit by a truck. Gets hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> it all just wow, amazing. Uh, that's the heaviest. So, the first issue, I think, is the heaviest. I mean, we've been talking how long now, and we're just finishing the first. Well, I don't feel like we're gonna hit like beat by beat for the next two because honestly, for me, like in the next two books, it is like Robin, Alfred gordon's and then the revelation like those are yeah. kind of like my talking points in which robbins oh. is pretty quick the real as in dick grayson because it pretty much remains the same yeah there isn't much change and i'm kind of glad about that because hey if something's not broke don't fix it exactly. and like dick grayson's origin just really works it doesn't yes. need fudged with it really it's, doesn't i don't want to say like it's perfect or they can't do some minor changes or something but I think it works really well in the story. I do like on page three of issue two, when Bruce uh, uh, backhands that guy multiple times, because Jim Aparo can certainly draw a backhand slap from Batman. Darn tootin'. God bless. (laughs) Nobody holds (laughs) up a a Batman hand like a Jim Aparo Batman hand. Um, So I do like, as we always see of basically dick taking the oath by candlelight in front of mm-hmm. batman it's kind of an iconic iconic image that's done uh that we've seen multiple versions of that are that's great uh the alfred backstory so alfred being an actor gives me what do i want to say here grant morrison shivers yeah. <laughs> from something that i don't hate but I just think of the Grant Morrison Batman run and how there's one part of that run that I still am frustrated about. Talk to Javi Trujillo. Um is is this a is this a revelation at this point of Alfred being an actor? Not sure about that. I do know that I mean, obviously in comics canon, he didn't actually mm-hmm. come into the picture until several years after even Robin was introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I al- I always want to say that Alfred originated in like one of those, you know, movie serials. Mm-hmm. But I think I get that confused with, I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Olsen who was first introduced in like a radio serial before being introduced in Superman comics. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, Alfred is nothing if not, batman's pal and the jimmy olsen equivalent of 
uh, Batman's extended family. I'm mostly, mostly joking. I don't know. <laughs> maybe there's huh? something. Question maybe, mark? Maybe there's something <laughs> there. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway i mean but no um alfred when alfred did first appear obviously he was uh completely different he was kind of kind of dumb uh quite large i was say his appearance <clears throat> just like his aesthetic itself was different but okay what what it is uh, that always confuses me is the actor that played him in like that 1943 serial or whatever mm-hmm. it was like tall and skinny with a mustache so they sent alfred away to fat camp pretty much and he came back slimmed up with a mustache and looked like he looks now so and that, this is that, how he has looked and that's, that's how he should yeah. look <laughs> exactly it's uh, just how no, comics I mean, my alfred the, the uh the theater uh i'm not sure because yeah, alfred is one of those characters i know so well and so much of but mm-hmm. so mo- much of it so much of it has been pieced together by different iterations and origins like i'm not even sure where uh you know him being like part of um you know an uh mi6 or you know whatever agent uh or mi5 or whatever they call it you know the like a british special forces yeah i don't know when that was introduced like if it predated this if it came after what there's just there's so much of alfred's backstory that was introduced over the years and some of it so much of it actually works really well even if it is a retcon so it's hard to hard to pinpoint where where some things came into play or not it it totally works for me though because now we i think the new normal for us is accepting that alfred has a military background mm-hmm. in some form or fashion and i think that pending what era you're reading of batman you can believe so at this time you could you t- could totally believe that he was part like involved in world war ii we yes. read a um what do you want to say like, i don't know something now you know like a normal uh, alfred now i know he's not alive in the main titles but Boo. you could you could understand that maybe he did something in Vietnam's maybe too long now, uh, but you know maybe, maybe the the Gulf War or yeah. something you know something you know that I feel like there's a time that you can you can totally believe or he was he was doing something like in Iraq or I don't know like yeah the military background you can totally get with Alfred it is now the normal. And, and accepted and like you said it makes perfect sense because i yeah. mean you know going going back to you know like a, a grant morrison thing you know uh the whole thing about you know who airs the batmobile's tires you know yeah. only adults are thinking that because adults overthink everything mm-hmm. nobody airs the batmobile's tires because they're not real they're imaginary kids <laughs> yeah. understand that adults don't but in, in in the context of a character to round out a character yes mm-hmm. it makes it makes sense for alfred to have been uh even if he was you know like a like a combat medic or something even yeah. if he didn't actually see action i think the but, medic part i take the most out of because it's like well then that totally makes sense on how how does he patch Bruce up recovers. Recovers. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Um, He's got alfred so yeah it definitely definitely makes sense uh in that regard weird thing to me is that alfred shows up which I guess in comic lore, it's not false that Alfred shows up after Dick's already award. Yeah. Because, I mean, that is factually accurate to comics. In canon, that's how it happened. Yeah. 
I just always loved that Alfred was working for Thomas Wayne when the Thomas and Martha were killed and then he became the father figure. That just works best yeah. for me. Yeah, it's like uh like the Joe Chill, nameless mm-hmm. killer, random act of violence, whatever. That's one of those things that I can go either way on. But if you were to ask me my preference, I do like Alfred being there with and for Bruce from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like as we get scenes in the Batcave. I love Aparo Brave and Brayfogo Batcaves. Those mm-hmm. were like my introductions when I first started to see the Batman funny pages was Aparo and Brayfogo were artists. Um, love those Batcaves. I love that this story take, you know, the story is done in 1980, but yet the throwback to the, that Batmobile is really fun and really yeah. cool. Of course, the T-Rex, because you, <laughs> you better have a t-rex in the back cave. <laughs> there's just with that batmobile there's just something i mean i love i love the 89 batmobile that is my favorite mm-hmm. batmobile in any medium of anything ever second place is the 66 batmobile but even that's a little little distant uh third place is so far in the rear view mirror i'm not even sure what i would consider yeah. third place but i won't lie and say that i don't love just like that old like 40s coupe with the big fin on the back and the huge bat head on the yeah. on the hood i mean it, there's just something i mean endearing about that is a word i used earlier but just it's, very very fun and endearing i i do like so sometimes I can't just like sit and binge like 1940s comic book, like Batman stories. Yeah. It's, um, it can be tough. It can be tough. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, but there's some stuff there of aesthetics and stuff that I'm like, Oh, I'd love it. If like somebody now did stories like that. And it, so like this of doing it, you know, this is 1980 comic, but it's almost like they're doing their version of the, the 1940s Batmobile. And I'm like, it looks awesome. It looks yeah, great. I think what I love about it too, and I just kind of realized this, is uh, when I was really into reading like Robin in the mid 90s and everything, that's the Batmobile Bruce was driving around with for a while because after uh, Night's End, you know, the 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 Batmobile, like the Brayfogle Batmobile was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of had to drive around in the old classic, you know, coupe for a while. Um so I'm used to seeing that in uh, some of those comics from the era. And, you know, that, w- that was when I was really first getting into Batman, period. So mm-hmm. I just kind of have that affinity for it for that reason. Uh, origins, they just choose the two villains, um, which uh, no problem there. But they picked a lane for Joker, which... um. I don't need to say it, but I will. This story obviously precedes the killing joke, but otherwise, like kind of if if we all come up with an origin of the Joker, this one, I think all of us would lean to. This is how the Joker came to be. Um, And so that's his origin in this story. Yeah. My thing with the Joker's origin is I don't mind knowing that he was a gangster. Sure. Red Hood, who was, you know, doubt in chemicals or whatever that's what turned his skin white and his hair green i'm fine knowing that i don't need to know anything else about him yeah in fact i don't want to know anything else about him yeah joker works better the less you know about him yep um 
whoever has come across it and just says that of Joker just is, I totally agree. Yeah. I think I've kind of always agreed with that. The Two-Face Origins, uh, true to form, that one is really funny and how they kind of knocked that one mostly out the park way back when. <laughs> and it's like, that doesn't really need touched. Yeah. I always laugh, though, that Batman is in the courtroom. Yeah. <laughs> always. At least, you know, the long Halloween has him like dressed up basically as matches Malone sitting in the back of the of the courtroom. But, you know, this other, even in Batman no, he's Forever, called the he's called to the Batman stand was here. there and he. Yeah. Batman comes leaping across there and here he's you know, decked out full suit. Um, testifying in court no, that's great against, uh boss maroney and yeah oh man great stuff the, great stuff so and then back in the bat cave like i mean robin's entered the picture into the, the present day batmobile blows up and there's another letter or note said one by one i will destroy the things that make you what you are and then i will destroy you so one more quick well okay we learn who makes the batmobiles as a stunt driver, it's not even Earl, which is crazy. Um, a stunt driver, then we get the Gordon. I mean, that doesn't really change. And Barbara's Batgirl, that's I mean, that all checks out, except she's a it just kind of I, I don't know. She she becomes a congresswoman, I think is one of the letters say, but I mean, her history all tracks, yeah she was a congresswoman for a while in the 70s okay. like when it was like the batman family i think was the the name yeah. of the the, uh, the book uh i know she was a congresswoman in a lot of those stories so that's that's true to at least the history up to that point um the big revelation comes where bruce is at you know, basically at work, he's in his skyscraper looking out the window, sees his reflection, says, oh, my God, he dresses up as Batman and returns back to Wayne Manor for the big reveal of who it was. It was himself. Oh, my gosh. Who Don't else knows so much about <laughs> Batman? Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. And Robin shows up dressed surprisingly sizes up with batman really well here but puts on thomas wayne's suit um to try and you know it's almost like a similar but flipped what bruce did to lou moxon dick does to bruce yeah Kinda but there's scares him into uh remembering remembering acknowledging something he realized deep down so up, leading up to this we've heard twice now of this warehouse explosion that we never saw and it must have had an effect on bruce he hasn't been the same that seems to be the cause for this i gotta say that i think the the story ends in a little bit of like a whimper it doesn't work for me like i wish i really wish that it would i agree um but i mean it's that the framing story is fun and interesting until it kind of isn't, but yeah. <laughs> it's also, it's, also I love just, that. <laughs> it's also it's just kind of, a, it's, it's also just kind of a clothesline to hang on everything else that they wanted to do with the story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's how they, it's, it's the manner in which they decided, okay, this is how we're going to explore Batman's history by having this mystery 
This way it'll take us to all these different characters. They can, you know, do the comic book thing where, where they talk out loud and explain to themselves things that they already know for our benefits. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, the story, the, um, the mystery ultimately becomes like an afterthought. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost like how it had to end. So it's satisfying in the, okay, I don't know whatever, uh, what other ending, what other person I would accept doing this, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, it does just kind of end ends with an amazing splash page, yeah. but the story itself just kind of is like, oh, okay, it's over. And that, yeah. And so, and I'll be clear and I like the idea. And I do think that that, that it's a great idea as far as like the, measuring the sense of i mean the quote here as you know this bruce wayne is telling him because of telling batman because of you so bruce it's his inner self it's like you know he's fighting himself of like because of you batman i've lost my friends the women i've loved maybe my very sanity so i mean if you think about the character of bruce wayne and this creation of batman and stuff it's like there's a lot there i think like it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting to to think about it and how yeah it does totally change Bruce Wayne's life and it's not normal now and what he does have to give up to continue this you know this mission as Batman and stuff it's just I don't know it was set up so well as like man what who could this be who could it be it was himself <laughs> it's almost like the whole uh, and I'm not the only person that's ever thought of this. I, I think Andy said it on Holy Batcast before, and I've always like totally agreed of like the over the edge animated series. You had me until it was a dream. Right. And then it's like, well, none of it was real. So of course anything can happen because then it's not going to stick and everything's just back to status quo at the end. So then it's like, oh man, the replay value isn't, isn't great. It's not that harsh of feelings for this story. But it's semi-related. It's a couple of steps "Ah." up from the cop-out of it was only a dream. Um, And even then, it's, I mean, it makes sense. Like, okay, you know, maybe Bruce doing doing these things subconsciously. Okay, there's something there, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's just the execution and the landing that they don't really stick. It's almost like a gymnast doing all these amazing acrobatics and everything. And then they just, you know, do like a, you know, like a flip onto the pommel horse. And then instead of flipping off of it, they just kind of awkwardly, you know, yeah. <laughs> scooch down onto their butt <laughs> and then slide down. Onto like, the mat. Oh. And it's like, oh, okay. You had me till then. Yeah. Did, did Your you, flips were awesome. Did you just forget how to, Gymnastic? You're walking off the bar <laughs> was very meh, uneventful. So, I mean, that's like as I guess as quote unquote harsh as I can get with it. But I think that it it is like you said, it's a few notches away from that was only a dream because that I well, the idea there is interesting. Yeah, you know, there is an idea of the over the edge episode because Batman, it's like his fears of all the stuff that could go wrong if, and it makes him question. And it's like, okay, there's stuff there at least that is like cool. So here it is definitely of like, 
this mission is is so important to Bruce Wayne, but it's also I mean, we've seen many stories of that's and you know Alfred's concern sometimes in the movies and comics even of like this is gonna kill you. Like Batman is a danger to Bruce Wayne. And so that idea is we don't want Bruce Wayne to stop being Batman. But it's like, okay, that's got an emotional weight to it. Like that could be a really cool story. So in the end, it is just like the reveal is almost a little disappointing. But I do fully recover with that last page. Oh man. Because like you said, beautiful. I mean, that is just it's awesome. Give me Batman looking over Gotham. And even the words, I mean, put together on it and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Eh, maybe the last, you know, three pages were right. Like, eh. But it ends on a good one. And everything before yes. that was good. So it kind of it doesn't make it it doesn't drop the story heavily. It's like, oh, you were going at like A minus, and now maybe you're like B plus. Yeah. But that's okay because the B plus is still good. Oh yeah. So um overall, really like really satisfied with the story. I do like pretty like most of it we'll say yeah. pretty much i like most of it it's just a couple spots like ah eh. even the things eh. i don't like about it i don't hate it's just yeah, exactly like, uh, okay okay this was written and created for a specific purpose in a specific time with specific history to that point that has since been either greatly expounded upon or yeah altered and adjusted to where it just doesn't fit anymore with what mm-hmm. we know about Batman up to 1980, you know, the, that would be what, uh, 43 years at that point, 40, 42. Batman was introduced in 1938, 39, right? 39, 39. Superman was 38. Who was are thinking, you? I was thinking detective 27, Yeah, but that was 30. Anyway, 1939. Yep. <laughs> sorry. No, um, um it's tired i'm late you know that that's right uh no but uh you know so at this point it's you know like uh uh 40 plus years there we 41, go 40 41 plus years 41 years of batman at this point yeah uh so all that 41 year history you know condensing it into three collectors size issues right. <laughs> uh i mean it it does what it set out to do um it's no longer comprehensive and no longer definitive, but it's amazing how much of it still holds up after all this time. Like in the broad strokes, this whole story still works. Yeah. Because I mean, when we broke down, you know, those, those origins of everybody, I mean, what's the biggest drastic difference in origin is like, well, Batman dressed up as Robin when he was a kid. Yeah. But that's not the only really, quote unquote odd thing that stands out otherwise like everything kind of matches up to where this is in 1980 1982 1989 this is a great almost like batman bible of like this is this is the origin of batman but i guess i wouldn't hold because in 1986 there was a or 87 there's a story called year one that came out that for for 40 cents 40 cents and 50 cents the final issue was what a steal cents a buck 30 for some incredible batman content man if i was a kid then mom can i have a dollar 30 for comics (laughs) no (laughs) you think i made a money (laughs) do you want to eat supper this week 
Not uh, if I get J- to read Batman. No, no, this is <laughs> no, this is all this is all I need, Mom. Uh, before we go to some favorites, was there anything else you want to touch on that we didn't? Uh, no, I mean, I will say in reading it this time, I did have to read it in spurts because, like I said, I mean, it's not necessarily difficult to read, but I mean, there it, it's like a full meal, like every mm-hmm. single issue. There's just, oh yeah so much packed into them that i i wasn't able like i had to read it over the course of like two or three days um a because i have a job that is not involved reading batman comics but also just because it's like okay well that was i got a lot of that need to sit with it and process this before going into uh more of this uh but uh no i mean it's it's a story that I knew the reputation of uh, and wanted to read it, knowing the reputation of it. When I finally read it, you know, I loved it. Um, wouldn't necessarily say it's, you know, my favorite Batman story, but it is one of those ones that I kind of jokingly say, you know, this should be taught in schools. Um, yeah. Just uh, just because it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a very important story, but also one that gets kind of overlooked because... There are other stories that do individual things better that came later, but I mean, if you just want a very concise, uh, very full, but still condensed history of Batman, at least up until the early eighties, you can't really do much better than this from a writing standpoint and certainly not from a visual standpoint. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that visual standpoint, I already told you with the Batcave, but then also when I see Aparo's Gordon, like that was my oh, introduction yeah. to Gordon. And I'm like, man, that like, I could see where seeing Aparo's Batman and it would take me maybe a second to be like, okay, that's Jim Aparo Batman. I see his Gordon. And I'm like, that's Jim Aparo yeah. Gordon. Like and I just, I, I, was just I was just flipping through the third uh, issue right now. One of my favorite sequences is where, batman it's it's gordon's flashback and he's talking about how um you know he isn't sure about who batman is uh even though he's you know dumps the joker on the curb and Mm -hmm. you know leaves um uh leaves criminals for the police to catch so it seems like he's helping but he's still not sure um and then batman finally confronts him in his office to have their first conversation gordon thinks you know, Hey, I need to take you in, you know, you're outside the law. I can't be, uh, I can't be, you know, working with you or anything. And then, you know, uh, Batman's like, you know, it says, you know, we're on the same side, my friend. And if you don't believe me, then you better pull that trigger. And then you can see Gordon kind of, kind of wavering, puts the gun down guns in his left hand and he puts the gun down starts raising his right hand and he and batman shake hands just three silent panels but brilliant very subtle visual storytelling across all of them yeah i agree um and he got him to smile he did there you go and batman cries at one point too he He does he sheds a tear at the end of the first issue because batman doesn't cry he mad he did. He just did. <laughs> he mad. He, he mad. mad. He just did. Um, well, let's hop into some favorites. So, Jay, Fantastic. what was your favorite part of the Untold Legend of the Batman? Oh, geez. Just a, a favorite part. I mean, that sequence with Gordon, I really like because mm-hmm. that, uh, that definitely illustrates 
Batman and Gordon's relationship. Um, it just built on trust. Like that's, that's, that's what it is. Uh, Bruce trusts Gordon to not turn him in, but mm-hmm. Gordon trusts Batman to work within the law as much as he can while still doing things outside the law that Gordon can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's a great moment. Um, I do love, you know, uh, which might be going also into some of the favorite images, but I mean, I do love uh, that one montage page with um, Batman and Robin, like Batman punching the Joker and the Joker kind of toppling over, yeah. over Robin. And then, you know, seeing all the villains, um, you know, that's great. Um, uh, yeah. There's just like so much of the story just kind of has to work together that it's hard to pick just a, a single sequence because it's all just a bunch of, it's all a bunch of sequences mm. uh, that are going on. Mm. Um, but uh, actually, you know what? I know what my favorite part is. Uh, I think it's what we talked about earlier, you know, the law school scene when Bruce you know realizes that, you know, it may be the law, but that doesn't mean it's justice. Um, I really feel like, uh, you know, like I said, that's not, I'm not going to tell everybody, okay, if you want to know Batman, read this one page. You know, that's not going to tell you everything that Batman is and does, but that at least lets you know, A, it's one of the most like mature and tightly written parts of the story. Um, Mm -hmm. But also it does let you know that, you know, there was a turning point where Bruce realized that he, what he thought was going to, honor the vow he made to his parents wasn't the right wasn't the correct path so he had to forge his own and that's what helped him realize that you know sometimes to do the wrong thing or to do the right thing you have to do it in you know wrong ways for lack of a better term so it's just add some complexity to sure. uh, to the story there mine's simple my favorite part is the opening because it's a great it's a great setup to this oh, yeah. to the mystery underneath of just like how you can't I mean two pages in and it is like wait what what oh, it, it hooks you from the beginning like you said it, it hits the ground running doesn't waste any time with the story and I mean it it hooks you yeah it's a good hook and then on top of it we're also like the opening is in that that bat cave um it's not the bat cave but it's fantastic that he built another bat cave. Yes. Uh, in Gotham underneath uh, his penthouse. So that's my favorite part. Now, how about a favorite panel? As much as I try to think outside the box sometimes and just follow your heart, just, just pick something. Honestly, if it wasn't Bruce as Robin, that Robin montage page yeah. might have, <laughs> would be a contender. It's because it's so great. I mean, like you said, it, it's got it's got great storytelling in the background. Uh, it's just that awesome shot of Robin just kind of punching, you know, in his classic mm-hmm. costume and everything. But that it's Bruce as Robin. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's not really the Robin that I'm here to read about. But no, 100% final page, just that beautiful splash page of Batman standing on a rooftop with his cape billowing out, just looking the most Jim Aparo he's ever yeah. looked. Mine has got to be in the second book. All the Polaroids of the Rogues Gallery. 
that was fun too. And I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> that one's fun. I just, I, that, I like that, that one. So and that one, they at least gave us all the names for all of them, even though yes. the, all of these ones, we, we don't need the names spelled out for us because we know who they are, but black spider, I think is the only one that I would have been like, I don't know who that guy is. Hmm. Is that even his name? It is. It is the black, black spider. spider. The black spider. Two face that, that image is ingrained in my memory because of a lonely place of dying. Uh, mm-hmm. which was one of the first Batman stories I ever read. And so, yeah, I just, I know that Two-Face, but it's my favorite page. Now, um, we don't, I mean, I know we've been going long. We don't yeah, need to dissect, but uh, I'm not going to ask, would you like to see this told, adapted in animation? Because it kind of was. Wait, Sorry. kind of. It served as the inspiration for the Batman Brave and the Bold episode, Chill of the Night, written by Paul Dini. Um. What do you think about that episode? It's fantastic. I love Brave and the Bold. Um, it's just, I mean, it's it's one of those shows. It's kind of like the Justice League show. It, it honestly took a little bit for it to grow on me. But once it did, like it was, you know, yeah, I was I was all there for it. But um, I mean, I love the show because uh, I'm like, not to... I don't mean this in like a snooty way, gatekeeping way, anything like that, but I'm not like a Batman fan. I'm a, I'm a DC fan. I love DC comics, Batman. Obviously I love Batman. One of my favorite characters definitely, but I mean, I love all of DC, the greater DC universe. So, you know, a show where you can see Batman team up with like Buona beast to fight Mm -hmm. gentleman ghost. That's amazing to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Chill of the Night is, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but I mean, that is one of the best pieces of Batman storytelling Yeah, in any medium, I think, that there's ever been. Um, took to great inspiration, fantastic script from Paul Dini, amazing vocal performances from uh, Diedrich Bader, but uh, also Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill were both in it too. Because mm-hmm. uh, Conroy was Phantom Stranger and Hamill was the Spectre, wasn't he? Yep. Yep. And um, you got some more. Go ahead, name drop the others. Um, hang on a second. You can... Tom, the voice of Thomas Wayne in the episode. Oh, He's gosh. very was... familiar. Oh, yeah, it was Adam West. Duh. There you go. <laughs> I Martha Wayne in the sorry. episode. Was it Julie Newmar? Yeah. Or Lee Merriweather? Yes, nope. it, was it was Julie Newmar. Like I said, it's been a while since I've watched it. And, and then the uh, voice of Lou Moxon. That I don't remember. Because honestly, Richard I... Mall. Okay. Two Face from Batman Animated Series. Two Face, yeah. So um, I mean, it was just like a great, you know, cast attached to that, which made, you know, for nerds like us, like that's a fun. Those are fun nuggets. It doesn't de- detract us from the episode. It just like enhances it even more. Yeah. Like I said, it's been a while since I've watched it. So I've, I I remember. Oh, yeah, totally. Now that now that we're talking about it. I yeah, exactly. I, I, do, I do remember the unmasking of Bruce and Bruce confronting, you know, chill and everything and doing all that. I remember that. So I knew the, you know, the different uh, the bones were there. But I, I completely forgot that Lou Moxon was even a part of it until you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, there's just um yeah, if somebody hasn't watched it and now I've done, you know, I've done uh 
for Batman animation, which is a podcast on Batman on film been doing, I've done some episodes with uh, Bill on Brave and the Bold because he adores that series. And I've said, I'm not putting it down. I can binge Batman, the animated series. I can't binge Brave and the Bold. I can watch a couple episodes and then I need a break and then come back to it. So there's episodes of that show that I haven't seen yet. And I love that there's ones waiting for me when I'm in the yeah. mood. And I do hop in the mood, but I end up revisiting like, you know, the... um it's the Santas with Red Tornado. Oh, like, I yeah. always rewatch that Invasion one. of the Secret yes. Santas or something yes. like that. God, I love that one. Amazing titles um, for the episodes too. <laughs> yeah, but Chill of the Night is actually one that I do like to revisit because it seems almost like an outlier mm-hmm. for the series too. And it's pretty serious. And then, yeah, it's, it's flat out. You read this and watch that or watch that, then read this. And you're kind of like, oh my gosh, you have Untold Legends. It was like, that was the handbook here as Dini was enough changes that it's different, but you get flat out like, you know, script to screen. This is untold legend of the Batman. So, um, yeah, I don't need them to ever try and do this story in animation. I don't think, cause I think chill of the night took enough. Yeah. Like and I mean, basically like the part of me wants to say like the idea of the story Sure. Yeah. Might work just to, I mean, not even, you know, with the mystery and everything, but a very, you know, just concise, you know, if, if you're going to watch like one Batman animated movie, just to know about Batman, mm-hmm. watch this, Yeah, you know, it might not be the best one ever made, but it would maybe be the most complete. Uh, so just one that, you know, covers, origin which heaven knows we need to see that again yeah. uh but also <laughs> you know like uh who like, is uh, batman robin and gordon and alfred and you know batgirl and even if you want to go into um some updated history with dick becoming nightwing and then yeah. you know, death of jason and then you know tim being introduced and everything i mean this would probably turn into like a two and a half hour animated movie and the uh animator's hands just make it a series from <laughs> trying to draw that much um no, I mean, the idea of it could work, but I mean, I also think at this point, unless you had a definite cutoff or turned it into a series, uh, yeah. it's there's just too much to make a satisfactory movie that's just like Batman the movie, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm satisfied with, with what we got. I don't yeah. need it ever again, but yeah, like you said, I do... That's a good point you made, though, of the idea of Batman, Batman and Bruce Wayne. That's a that's a good one that can there's just a variety of ways that you can approach that idea. Um, so, I'm, I mean, honestly, you know, even though they have already kind of done it, I mean, a story like this would work as maybe like a Brave and the Bold movie if they wanted to take the, you know, ooh, you know, someone discovered Bruce Wayne's secret and he's, you know, out to get him, but who is it? And Batman has to go through all the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, you know, uh, taking the elements that they didn't use in chill of the night and doing something like that with the tone of the series, I think would work doing something a little more serious, like even Batman, the animated series kind of style, um, or even like the Batman or, um, you know, the DC movies that are coming out now. Uh, I don't think it would make the story go down as well. 
Um, just because it would be the tone would just be a little off. I feel like, like I you'd agree. almost you'd almost have to go with the you know fittingly enough. You say you can't binge uh, the Brave and the Bold cartoon kind of fits because you know it's very silver agey and it's very hard to binge silver age comics yeah <laughs> just because they're so weird and i mean again they're very dense and full of story and everything so it's one of those things that you just read one two maybe three at a time uh yeah, so right. sometimes brave in the bull i had fun yeah but i'm gonna step out now for a little yeah, bit exactly <laughs> exactly exactly uh so there i mean there you go all angles untold legend of the Batman. I can't recommend it enough to track it down DC Universe Infinite or buy them digitally. Uh, they're like a dollar or two each issue digital. Um, track it down online or in the comic shop. I promise your comic shop probably has the issues. Yeah. And I if mean, that comic totally shop weird. doesn't, go to another one. Yeah. <laughs> probably if that one doesn't, go to another one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Jay Oz, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for returning. Always. Thanks for talking some Batman. Absolutely. Let's do it again. Yeah. Okay. Same bad time. Done. Yeah. (laughs) Same bad channel. Same bad time. Same bad channel. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and plug away anything and everything if people Uh, don't follow you? If you don't follow me and would like to, uh, I'm not on the Twitters as much. I mean, I'll check it multiple times a day, but I'm not like tweeting nonstop like I used to. Uh, But my personal handle is at J-A-Y-A-W-S. Um, I also have my own, uh, comic blog called comic pause, uh, pause, like a, you know, video game P a U S E. Uh, I forgot how to spell pause there for a second, <laughs> uh, uh, at comic pause. Uh, I've been doing a, uh, hopefully it's fun to read. I've been having fun writing them a series I call random Robin, where I've been, uh, flipping a coin Heads or tails, heads, I will read a random issue of the uh, Tim Drake comic book Robin series, starting with his mini series and then going uh, to the final issue of Red Robin. Uh, if it's tails, I have another long box of notable Tim Drake <laughs> appearances. So stuff like, um, uh, uh, you know, his first appearance and uh, again, I'm tired, so I can't think of numbers right now. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, his first appearance in continuity period as part of year three, um, uh, the entirety of A Lonely Place of Dying, his first night on the job as Robin in Batman 456, I think is uh, the issue. I actually did an installment of that a couple of, uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, that was one of the issues I covered. Uh, so all sorts of... Uh, uh, Tim Drake appearances. Uh, it's been fun. I, uh, a lot of these I haven't read, uh, and I'll just go through and tell you what I thought about the issue. I'll, uh, look at the ads and the letter columns and everything and talk about that stuff. And, uh, what you're saying is everyone loves the Drake. Everyone loves the Drake. Oh, uh, that I, 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 I was a part of that show for like three episodes and then we've gone on, a. On hiatus and uh, on a hiatus. I do miss it, but uh, I I also understand that uh, it hasn't been easy being a Tim Drake fan for a long time. So that's yeah. That's that's why I started doing. doing He's never forgotten. He's never forgotten, but sometimes you just wish you could. Those '90s comics will always be there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes I'd rather him 
be forgotten rather than be, you know, written poorly like he's been for the past what's been happening 12 years. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you go. Follow Jay. All that, all that spots. Um, yeah, because he'll continue to read um, those comics because Jay likes to read comic books. So I do, I do. Uh, follow him there, and then he'll get more active on Twitter. I guarantee it. He will. Or if just, you... or just start commenting about uh, Grant Morrison's Batman run, and he'll be very involved uh, quickly. <laughs> yes, because I'm an outlier. Apparently, I love Grant Morrison's Batman run. <laughs> um. Except That's for that different. one weird clown at midnight issue, I'm glad they got that one. That 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 one was gotten out of the way with pretty early in, in his run. Yeah, I I think I tried to reread that one multiple times, and I just kind of give up. Just I'm like, nah, I'm good. Um, it, as for the Batman Book Club, follow it on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for latest episode drops, giveaways, upcoming episodes, and stick around real soon because that bracket challenge is coming been sweating about it for months so um it's it's about ready to be unveiled and then i can start to receive all sorts of hate mail from people for what i don't I, know if i need to listen to my head or my heart yeah I don't, that's gonna be <laughs> tough uh, yeah. but if you want to send hate mail you can do that the batmanbc <laughs> at gmail.com tell me about how wrong i am uh don't forget if you'd like subscribe to the batman book club youtube channel where pete and i um, you know, on this road to no man's land and then going to continue on to no man's land. Check that out. It's been a lot of fun. That discussion, uh, two nerds going through the epic story from the 90s. Um, if you want to support the show, there's a variety of ways you can do that. Patreon.com slash the Batman BC. Go to tpublic.com. Type in TBBC for the Batman Book Club where you can get some merchandise with the Batman Book Club um, logo designed by one great Justin Kowalski. Slapped on notebooks, T-shirts, hoodies. Um, onesies for your little loved one, but if you guitar want to pedal show, cases, that's guitar pedal cases, on. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he's got everywhere. Um, but if you want to support the show and you don't want to spend any money at all, it's 100% a okay. The quickest, easiest, and most impactful thing you can do is rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast. So, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever, just go to the rate and review page and rate and review the show because the more reviews the show gets the more it helps spread the word and as we all know the word is panic so for jaws i am ryan lauer until next time read my panic comics.